Welcome to the Virtual CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping service-based businesses achieve success. Are you a business owner interested in learning how to scale your business? Has your business reached over $1 million in annual revenue? Then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. Uh, very excited about today's topic and today's guest uh, in in March of 2020, so almost uh, two years ago, we did our first podcast on onboarding. It was our 11th episode. So um, if you want to go back and re-listen to that episode, you can get a little bit more of the details. At that time, I think, as Adam told us before this podcast, we are a little more structured, a little bit more um, robotic in, our, in the way we approach the podcast. So we thought this time we would uh, go into a little bit more details, talk about our lessons learned. Um, as, as we probably mentioned in that podcast, it's been a while since I've listened to it, but one thing we always talk about when it comes to onboarding is, is really being, um, being flexible and being adaptable. Um, so we've learned a lot of lessons. That's what we're going to talk about today is what lessons have we learned in onboarding. So hopefully our listeners can learn from us and, and move forward. So today we are joined by our um, project management specialist, our onboarding specialist, the one that gets all our clients started. So Lydia, welcome to the show. Hi, good to see everybody. And of course, Adam Hale, who uh, is the overseer of all things accounting. So Hello, everyone. All right, Lydia, so let's, let's just get this started. What would you say? I know you started um, shortly after we did that podcast, and you've really helped our um, our onboarding process evolve. Hang, so. hang on, Jamie. I got I got to interrupt, though. Right. Hang on. We First lesson learned, like this is the biggest one, Lydia. So, um, so like you said, she started after we um, put that together, and we thought we had everything figured out. But part of that journey was knowing that it couldn't really be the um, couldn't really be the CFO or the senior accountant. We really needed somebody outside of that role. So of course, the the next question always becomes, okay, cool. So you have Lydia. You know, what are the attributes of Lydia? By the way, she's fantastic. You cannot LinkedIn her and try to steal her away. She's ours. Uh, she signed like some kind of she signed some kind of ten year contract or something. She doesn't know about it, but um, but anyway, um, with that though, what what always is said is like you know what are the attributes? Of course, she's very detailed oriented and and she can keep everybody on tasks. Like she's very gifted with that. So of course that means you're a CPA, Lydia, and you have about ten or fifteen years of experience in public accounting, right? Right? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I do just want to drop in. It sounds like I'm getting a good bonus. Inside, just from that introduction. You got to talk to Jamie. I don't know. <laughs> bonus, what does that mean? No, I, uh, I actually love not being an accountant in this role. It makes the lanes like super defined. And when we get into like a technical conversation with a client, I'm kind of just a traffic director. I say, oh, well, I can tell you where to go to get that question answered and, and who on our team is the right person to talk with and how we can build a solution for you. But I'm definitely not the, the doer when it comes to the accounting at all. Um, I have, I think, enough knowledge to be really dangerous. So I try not to be dangerous and just kind of point people in the right direction. And, and of course, Adam set that up, but that is a path we went down. I think um, Lydia is our fourth onboarding hire that we've um, that we tried out, and the one that's worked the best for us. And I think the mistake we made in the past is let's let's turn an accountant or let's turn a CFO into an onboarding specialist. And um, we made that mistake a couple times. And not that they weren't bad. I mean, they worked out, and we got through the onboardings. But um, to Lydia's point, having someone that is really 
really focused on project management and organization and can step aside from the accounting stuff has been super helpful for us. So I think that is a, that is definitely key, for, at least for us, as in terms of the first lesson learned there is, yeah, we went down the path of just throwing accountants in it. And it was a, the most successful onboarding, especially we've had to date, has definitely been Lydia. Yeah, I mean, you know, detail oriented isn't always permission to play with most accountants. So you definitely want to make sure you have the right person. But um, being a technical PM, you know, one that that knows how to do all that stuff, it it's somewhat good, um, you know, that they can kind of call stuff out. But if the person that you have, like we have Lydia and Miranda, who can kind of you know, see the field and understand and just kind of say, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be, you know, and question things way more impactful because the technical PMs have a tendency to jump in and get swallowed up. And whenever you're onboarding a lot of clients at once, um, you know, that makes things a little bit more difficult, I think. So yeah. lesson yeah, number I mean, one. <laughs> you mentioned Miranda, who's another member of our onboarding team too. So we basically, we took that program that we built a couple of years ago and have now scaled it out. Um, into our firm, which has been been great. It was um, because we had such a solid structure, it was easy to kind of like drop another person into that and have them kind of just carry forward what we've already built and everything we've already learned. And the other thing I do want to call out is that I learned so much in this first like year of the role. Um, I had experience kind of overseeing a finance department, but I worked with accountants who did all of the technical accounting. So I kind of had an understanding of how processes worked, but I definitely had a big learning curve coming into the role, kind of learning what needed to be a priority and really listening to the clients and listening to the accounting team and figuring out, okay, this is a, we're slipping over here and I need to redirect, <laughs> or this is how a really great process looks and what it, what is happening like when, if the client is asking for something that's out of scope. Um, so there's been a lot of lot of learning and I think that's a pretty key trait for this role is to be somebody who's really curious and is always willing to learn something new because nothing is ever going to stay the same other than like the skeleton that you built <laughs> right like yeah. every new client's going to bring something in that is a little bit different or have a little bit different personality set when they come into the group or have different expectations and you have to have that knowledge and, and structure to be able to identify when something is going off the rails that's what helps you be adaptable is that that central core right. of what's really important i think having that baseline part of the question um really makes it easy like you know if i were to pop into an onboarding process and ask the same question you would ask we'd get different answers because you can ask it in this way. So I'm not an accountant, but can you explain why we're doing these 12 steps? Can't we just get by with six? And and people have to explain it to you, like kind of like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. And then eventually you get to the right point. And it's like, oh, wait, yeah, six would have worked. Or if I come in as an accountant and be like, well, why are we doing six instead of 12? And they'd be like, come on, you know this. And it just, it's just the way that questions are answered are different for someone who's kind of a, an outsider. And I think that's really helped our processes become way more efficient. Yeah, I would also say um, we didn't feel that learning curve, though, Lydia, with you. And the reason being is because you over communicated. So that's another thing that, you know, with, you know, most accountants were not, you know, the most uh, effective communicators in the world. And so um, you were. And so whenever things didn't seem right or didn't sound right or things were off the rails, you were very quick to start pulling other people in, either the people directly on the account or Jamie or somebody else and saying, hey, like this doesn't pass the sniff test. What do I do next? And you were able to then take that direction and run with it. So um, learning curve, again, we didn't feel it because of your ability to also communicate in that role. So a lot of times people are like, hey, um, that's great. You can afford to have somebody in this role, 
you know, but what do they do the rest of their time? You know, because apparently you're super bored, Lydia. I think we somehow, for some reason, we pay you 40 hours a week, but you probably only work, what, like 10 or so? Is that right? Or does Jamie keep you busy with other stuff? I'm like sipping margaritas most of the time, like uh, just kind of hanging out, waiting for someone to like bring me something to do. <laughs> small, small buzz right now. It's a little, a little early. Yeah. For, it's a little yeah, early for that. Maybe it, some so mimosas. It's, it's a Bloody Mary right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, to the gotcha. Margaritas later in the afternoon. Yeah. I, well, I think the other thing that we spend a lot of time on is kind of evaluating the system and, and making sure it's delivering the outcomes that we want. So uh, Miranda and I actually, like at the end of last year, we did a big kind of evaluation and went, what can we change and tweak to make it more efficient and effective for the client? And then the other thing that happens, Adam and Jamie, is you all tag me in on lots of other projects <laughs> internally for the firm. So, you know, hey, how do we, you know, roll out this new tool or system really effectively? Can you build some resources for our team? Um, how do we track and like make our own staff onboarding really efficient and effective? And I think like having that skill set of just knowing how to how to work with a lot of different types of stakeholders. And I think the other skill I have that's been really formative for me my whole life is um, a sense of urgency that I was taught way back in the day when I was working in restaurants, like how to hit that gas pedal when you need to and realize when things are going off the rails. And Adam, I think the reason you didn't feel my learning curve is there was enough of parameters in place when I came on onboarding supposed to take about eight weeks, right? So once I put that the tools in place and I could see, oh man, this thing is gonna take five weeks and we're gonna be really far off, it just gave me some guideposts to be able to ask the right kind of questions and that translates into a lot of other stuff, which is why I think you keep giving me more projects. So I'm very happily busy, forty sometimes plus hours a week. For sure. Yeah, I think the uh yeah. Project managers is something that, um, especially if you're a firm like us, that is always changing. Like you, you want to make sure you have them in place on every project because, yeah, we've learned accountants aren't the best project managers. But I want to, um, I want to get to lesson number two here, and you kind of mentioned it. And the first way you answered that question is about the structure. Um, so, you know, I, I think lesson number two is that when you come into onboarding you kind of have to come in as the experts. You have to say, hey, we've we've done a 200 onboardings over the over the past uh, seven, eight years. We know what we're doing here. Trust us. This is our process. This is how that works. Do you want to expand on that a little bit, kind of how we um, introduce that to the clients? Yeah, I think one of the big things we do is in that kickoff call, we start the relationship by leading from the front. Um, and that's a really big deal, kind of telling them what to expect. Um, really spending some time listening to what it is that they're looking for and starting to build that consulting relationship to see in our kickoff calls the CFO gets the opportunity to really start digging into some of the things that the client is looking for and, and honestly the way we've structured our kickoff call we could spend 80% of the kickoff call just letting the CFO and the client kind of start to have those conversations which is huge we listen and we hear the things that are most important to them and that's what lets us take a look at our structure and go okay how do we call out those things for the client that they can start to feel the progress even if we're doing something that's really boring for them like cleaning up account reconciliations you know because that has to be done no matter what we can't deliver good financials if the books are messy um so yeah i think that kickoff call is really really key jamie you touched on it earlier about how we set expectations for our communication and just about everything else and then i think the sales process is pretty critical for that too we always watch the videos that adam and jody make during their sales process and that really gives us some good information about what types of conversations have happened already to kind of lay the foundation of the relationship. Um, for instance, we had a client 
recently they came on and we what we batch work right so if we're doing counts receivable for somebody that means we're not sending invoices out every day um, you know we're, we're sending invoices out weekly and there was a sales conversation about potentially tweaking their AR process to kind of fit into the batching and that was important to the client well when the time came to actually have that conversation about changing the process there are all these roadblocks that were thrown up and no 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 we can't change anything um, and we were able to kind of go back to that source conversation and remind them, well, we talked about this initially and here's where the rubber kind of now meets the road. And um, I think setting those expectations really early in terms of how we're successful um, and the way we deliver our services is so key and so critical. And then referencing back that back to the client because we do so much in onboarding, you know, it's really easy to maybe forget some of those little details. But once you have that core structure and knowledge and the team is really um, knowledgeable about it and engaged it makes it easy to navigate those bumps when they come up yeah I was gonna say we definitely want to back that up to the sales process because there was a lot of disconnects a lot of times between sales onboarding and then ultimately delivery and so we spent an awful lot of time making sure everybody was educated um, because the other thing that you have to be cautious about about bringing in a project manager or somebody like Lydia that we hit early on was um, the CFOs or the senior accountants that we have on the account don't necessarily take ownership or responsibility for some things because they have Lydia, they have this project manager in place. So they lean on her naturally through some of her duties to review accounts and review details and processes and assimilate that kind of stuff for them. But ultimately the CFO still has to understand all that stuff pretty intuitively because they're going to be the architect of the financial information. So and then so making sure that everybody kind of understands their roles and as a salesperson, what that meant was making sure that I take the edges off of what Lydia is going to have to deliver and the CFO is going to have to deliver during the onboarding process. So having those preemptive conversations about, nope, we batch stuff. This is how it works. This is what we're going to do in onboarding. This is what we're not going to do in onboarding and being a lot being very explicit, I guess, in those calls and then recording them, as Lydia mentioned, is definitely a great way to do it. You can send that link to the client whenever you get done with the call. So the client appreciates that. And then we can repurpose that so that the team can hear firsthand from the client the issues that they were talking about. So I definitely think it starts with the sales process mm -hmm. and then it should be mirrored um, exactly because uh, I do think that we had some... I wouldn't say terminology differences because I think we thought we understood each other, but sometimes there wasn't as much clarity there with the clients. Yeah, I think the um, this is a lesson learned that you can learn the hard way. So hopefully those listening are, are really taking this from us and not don't learn by losing a client or having an unhappy client. But if you go into a process saying, yeah, we're going to do AR for you, kind of like Lydia mentioned, and um, in your mind, AR means, yeah, we're going to batch, we're going to send invoices twice a month and we're going to hold all the invoices until that time and the client comes in and says no we need you to do it daily without a project manager that understands those perimeters what's going to happen is we're going to start doing them we're going to start doing them daily and eventually we're going to fail and it's going to be six months down the road and the client's like you guys are terrible at AR why can't you do it and then we go and look at the process and it's like well it's because we're spending 35 hours a week on it that we can't do that and then you end up getting in disagreements with the clients the client's not happy where if we have someone like a Lydia who understands that from day one the second the client asks that one question, 
we can say, whoa, 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 if that's what you guys want, like, we're not the person for you. You need to find someone else. You need to either hire someone or, or work with this firm we can give you that can do AR daily for you. But that is not something we do. And so that's just one example. But there's there's hundreds of them. And there's hundreds of times before we establish those processes and procedures where we ran into it where six months later we look at a process and we're like, yeah, of course we're working 25 hours a week on this one client. This is This is not how we do things. And so having a project manager that understands how we do things and raising that flag very early saves a lot of client relationships. Yeah, we have that structure of onboarding and that's what, what basically guides that. You know, we go through all of the processes, even if we're not taking them on with a new client and just kind of make sure we have a really thorough understanding. And as the non-accountant in the room, I always tell everybody, I'm going to ask a lot of silly questions and I ask tons of questions to this day and probably will for the rest of the time that I'm in this role. And I also ask for agreement, which I think is a really powerful tool to use in a conversation with somebody. I, I like to make sure that if I say something or present something that um, there's agreement in the room that we're all on the same page because sometimes it's easy to gloss over a point that, that might actually be something really important to the client and we're not all speaking the same language or hearing the same thing. Um, so we, we do that, you know, in person in conversation. Then we also document and send the documentation over to them and say, hey, here's what we've got. If you have any feedback, let us know. We're we're hitting the ground running with this. So we always have kind of that, that breadcrumb trail to follow if issues do come up. And sometimes one of the big keys that we identify in onboarding is that some services on the SOW might not be a great fit. And that's the perfect time to identify that. You know, AR is maybe one of the biggest examples where somebody goes, oh, yeah, I can change my AR process. Like, I think we can make this work and hand it off to you. And then they find out that, you know, there's something really specific about the way that they service their customers that doesn't line up with the batching that we would have to do. And that is a valuable process for everybody that makes sure, like Jamie said, that we're not just going, oh yeah, we can do that for you and continuing down the road for six months and setting everybody up for failure. So yeah, we've learned a lot <laughs> in the last two years for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you, you want to be careful because obviously the client signed the SOW that we're going to do something. So you don't want to always just be really loose about it and say, hey, we may or may not do this. Let's find out. But we try to in the sales call, just be like, hey, you know, assuming these kind of things, that's what we'll be able to do, but just still kind of reiterating the fact that it is a discovery process. And then hopefully, uh, Lydia, that carries through again to that kickoff call. It's like, hey, I'm going to dive in here and we should be good. You know, the assumption should be that we're good to go. Um, but then leaving always that little bit of out that, you know, and if we come back and things can't get changed, then we might have to revisit the SOW, um, that kind of a thing. That way nobody's caught off guard or frustrated, um, you know more than they need to be. Yep. And it is it is a little bit more rare, but it definitely is one of the big lessons that we've learned over the last couple of years that um, being mindful of scope creep is really important in onboarding and making sure that if the client drops a priority that we're all on the same page in terms of what success means for that priority specifically. Because um, it might be something that sounds really broad and big picture and like, oh yeah, we can do that because we tell our clients the CFO consulting umbrella is really big, right? Like ask, you know, ask us to do that and we'll tell you if we can or we can't. Um, and I think what I've kind of learned in my role is that sometimes the team needs help defining if, if something is in or out of scope, especially if it's like a, a high level, like not a specific ask, like, oh, can you do this one thing for me? Or, oh, can you do this other thing for me? So I try to stay really close to it as we're building that relationship and kind of helping the accounting team understand the expectations of, of the client and making sure that we're staying within the scope of work. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think also, I mean, you know, your role as a PM there, you also are kind of playing the role of an, you know, an account manager or an AM as well. Right. So you're, you're, again, rounding edges, making sure everybody's kind of doing their same thing, but you're communicating quite often with the client. You know, sometimes it's just weekly email updates, but we also have a tool uh, that you use and you kind of monitor on a weekly basis that kind of turns you into that kind of interference person if if the team maybe isn't, you know, backing up what we're, we're saying we're able to do kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use Ask Nicely for um, all of our surveys with our clients. So in onboarding, they get once a week, they're getting a, a five-star survey asking them how we're doing. And then once a month after onboarding, which is which is really great because I think sometimes, um, you know, the, the client and our accounting team has a hard time figuring out what is causing the issue and kind of defining the problem. And having someone like me in the account management role who's been there through the onboarding process who can be like another sounding board to bounce the problem off of without, you know, feeling like an attack to somebody like, oh, you're not doing the work, you know, the right way. Um, just really kind of helps smooth out the relationship and like you said, smooth out yeah. those rough edges. Well, yeah. Especially because you're yeah, there, so if in- right? Like I think you're there during the um, onboarding. That helps. It's not like you're like this third party coming in being like, oh, we got a three rating. Let's, let's talk about it. Like you're there and you can kind of understand that, you know, they mentioned, they mentioned this one thing that isn't going well and I've seen it. Yeah. This is why it's not going well. Or I agree. Or okay. There's a, there's a, a we're missing the point here. We're missing the, there's a clarification that needs to happen. So I think the fact that you're involved in it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And so if, if anybody's listening and they're like, how do I afford this role? Remember, it's like PM role, also AM role. And as Lydia mentioned earlier, she helps out with a ton of internal projects. So onboarding doesn't necessarily just stop with onboarding the client. It could be that we're onboarding new services and you don't and you do just like a little mini onboarding where you bring in, you know, Lydia now in the account manager role saying, hey, can you roll out this new SOW for the new service? And then she'll kind of step in and just oversee and make sure that it gets executed and it gets lifted. Um, so so we're constantly, you know, with, with our clients reintroducing Lydia in the project manager role because she's still kind of at a high level reviewing the AM stuff, you know, the account management stuff. And then, you know, when we can pull her away from Jamie because he tasks her to project manage everything we roll out because we we just like our clients have a difficult time rolling out new software rolling out new plans rolling out so she hopes uh, she helps to hold the team accountable to getting that stuff executed on all right so let's go to the next lesson learned what's um what's what's another lesson learned that we've learned over uh, since you started with us lydia oh man i think like just not being afraid to, to like push a little bit and, and fail and have hard conversations. Like I think sometimes um, when we get that like spidey sense that there's a point of conflict coming, sometimes the natural response is to freeze <laughs> or just like put it in a bucket somewhere and ignore it for a while. And um, that is always gonna make things worse. And I think our culture here at Summit is just so great about identifying problems and then everybody kind of like teaming in to fix them. There's there's not a lot of finger pointing or uh, like, oh man, you messed up. Like we want to identify the problem and find a solution, but it's really, rarely a personal thing where we're like, oh man. Well, we usually know it's Jamie's fault, which is <laughs> yeah. really, it's so we don't really have to, <laughs> I mean, there's no point in calling it out. We just, just roll it up yeah, hill, yeah. We're just like, Jamie, okay. So oh, that's what Jamie. it usually is, but yeah. yep. 
No, but I think it's a it's a great point. Is like if if you're sensing it, because again, the project manager is the one who understands the engagement overall, right? Like the CFO knows how their how one section's going. The accountant on the job understands how the reconciliations are going. But the the PM is able to sit back and when the CFO is presenting something, can see the annoyance in their face, or can just sense that okay, this isn't this isn't how this is normally delivered. I'm gonna I'm gonna get ahead of this and reach out and give a give a call because even if you're wrong. Like it's not going to hurt because they know that you're thinking about it. They know that you're caring about it. So I I do think that trusting your, trusting your gut as the the person that's kind of the overseer of it is a very important point. And the team brings stuff to me now too, which is great. Like sometimes they'll come to me and say, Hey Lydia, can you help with this situation? I can tell the client is getting frustrated and, or I can, they put on their binoculars and they can see it kind of coming down the road, which is awesome. And I think we're starting to get in like a good place where we have an understanding like, hey, if we can identify a problem before it happens, that's the best place to be in. And that knowledge of the structure and the services and that alignment with the sales team and everything is kind of what gives us that superpower, (laughs) I think, to put on those binoculars and be able to go, okay, if I don't fix this now, the client's going to be real upset about it in two months. So let's have that hard conversation maybe that we need to have now and figure it out um, versus trying to kick the can down the road. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, how you measure success of, of onboarding is, is key too. you know, I think when, when Lydia first started, like we were pushing, we need all onboardings to be six to eight weeks and we want all, all clients to make it through successfully. And I think that, you know, that's, that I've kind of changed the way I look at onboarding a little bit differently now. I think the biggest thing to me is, is one, is everything being communicated to the client? Because sometimes you'll be in an onboarding and you'll be, you're, you see the sales call and okay, this is going to be an easy onboarding. And then you get into week one, opening meeting went great. Everything is going fine. But then you go and look in their books and it's a disaster. It's, it's, it's like books you've never seen before. So that onboarding is going to take a lot longer because we don't have the resources to spend 40 hours a week cleaning up their books. It may take us five weeks to even get to the point where most of our clients are in week one. Does that make it an unsuccessful onboarding? No. But what would make it an unsuccessful onboarding is if we're doing all that work and the client's not aware of it. Then the client would be like, you sold us, it takes six to eight weeks. And so what successful is, is that you find that and right away you bring it up to the client like, hey, just say no. We we opened up your books and this is all the things we found, all the things we need to clean. This is going to take us a while to do. Clients can be fine with that. They understand. They understand that those things need to be done. And so that that onboarding may take 25 weeks, but the client's still happy. They end up being a long-term client for you. And to me, that is what success looks like, is is that client set up for long-term success. Now, on the other side of it, sometimes you walk into a meeting with a client and week one, you can just tell that this client is a bad fit for us. Like what, what they signed up for is not what we deliver. And we might identify that in week three and have a conversation. We just had this a couple weeks ago, sit down with the client and be like, honestly, this is what you're looking for. A, B, C, D. We only provide B. This is, we're not the right fit for you. Let's find you someone else. And to me, that's successful onboarding as well is because we're not going to have that client for nine months and have an unhappy client that didn't work out. And so to me, that's ultimately how I measure success of onboarding is, is this client set up for success in the long run? Yeah, I think that's a really great point, Jamie, because that's been another thing we've really learned over the last couple of years is what does done look like? Because you're going to run into people that have all sorts of different expectations on pacing. Like we've, we've had clients come on and be like, what's the fastest you've ever done an onboarding? <laughs> Tell me what's the fastest. Cause I want to beat it, which is 
super fun, but those are often the people that I kind of, like, stop telling them how many <laughs> weeks we're in, like, just in case, because I don't want them to be like, oh, let's finish up next week, if we really feel like we need another conversation about the forecast to get into, like, a good place where we have a consistent cadence moving forward. Um, and then there are some clients that just, you know, their decision-making cycle takes a long time, they've got a lot of stakeholders, they want to do some big things during onboarding, like changing their general ledger system or rolling out a new payroll processor, you know, and those are the ones that we look at and we can go, well, you know, we might have financials for you, you know, in, in six to eight weeks, but we're going to keep onboarding open a little bit longer so we can make sure that by the end of onboarding, we're at a place where everyone feels like we can have a solid cadence. Not that we're not doing new projects and tackling new things, but that those core deliverable services that they signed up for can just come roll moving forward and be delivered at the correct cadence. And, you know, we shoot for eight weeks because we want to keep that pipeline open and available to kind of bring new clients in. But, you know, there's some there's some CFOs that like to go really quick and then some that go a little bit slower. And I kind of help with that pacing and, and the gas pedal. And then if I get confused and I can't tell where we at, then I, I go ask James you know. <laughs> Because that does happen from time to time. I'm like, I don't know what the problem actually is. This thing is taking four weeks and it should have taken one. <laughs> she she knows better to ask me. It's always the gas pedal. Um, so Yeah. Um, All right. So um, we are getting right to the end here. So I want to give you guys final thoughts. I think this was a great um, add-on to our previous uh, podcast. Because like I said, I think we covered some of the things that we've learned over the last uh, couple of years. But any um, final thoughts? I'll start with you, Adam. Any final thoughts on onboarding? Yeah, it's, I would say if you just want to know more details, definitely go back and check out that podcast. I think this turned into more of like the role of the project manager, which I think, again, is probably the single most important um, piece of our onboarding. So um, definitely thanks for, for joining us, Lydia, and being a part of the team. For having me, I, don't, I just I really enjoy this job. So if you're looking for somebody who is going to be a good fit, I would say like find a, a process nerd, <laughs> <laughs> like someone who just enjoys making things work and has enough knowledge to be dangerous and has a good sense of urgency. Like it, it might be a, a skill set that maybe looks a little bit non-traditional for a CPA firm, but um, you know, someone who's just kind of like willing to dig in and learn and be adaptable and, and can stay organized is, is probably like the biggest um, key skills and you know, things that you're looking for in someone for this, for this role. I, you know, before I came on at Summit, I was kind of looking at my resume because I've done so many different things and going like, what the heck am I going to do next? And I asked Adam, <laughs> I said, oh, I have, I have an idea. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I saw it in action before, before she came here. So yeah, I was definitely excited about having her on the team. Yeah. I'd so. say process nerds. Uh, that's, who, that's who you love working with because it's so fun to have that com those conversations with the process nerd to be like, I just don't like the way this is going. Can you go in and look at it? They're going to come back with a lot of good ideas, a lot of good details, and the process is going to be way more efficient. Everybody knows that um, we've talked about it a thousand times on a thousand different podcasts about how process is so important in scaling. So it's um, having at least one process nerd on the on the team has been important. So. And sometimes I have bad ideas, and you guys tell me that too. Yes, and that's we do. fine. <laughs> it doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not the right direction. Shift and go this way. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Lydia. Thank you, Adam. I think this is a yeah. great episode. Great right. to be here. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving business success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.